Welcome to Becoming Iconic, a global multimedia and mentorship brand that will lift you into having the most exceptional lifestyle and business. I am your host, Jen Spiegel, and as a mom of four, a seven-figure high-performance mentor, editor of a magazine, and the host of this top podcast, I have a lot to share with you. This podcast has been created to talk about all of those things that will support you in both your life, business, as well as leadership. I believe in having a life and business that gives you ultimate fulfillment, and this gets to be your reality. That's why most conversations here will shift many of the paradigms that you've likely been participating in. Be ready to be stretched in both your thinking and in your doing. You will hear advice and wisdom from my 16 plus years of experience building businesses globally alongside of raising a family. And you'll also hear from many other industry moguls. Don't forget to follow on your favorite social media platform. It's simply Becoming Iconic. And while you're there, check out the most recent edition of the Becoming Iconic magazine. I just want you to know something. You're in the right place. And I want to thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Becoming Iconic podcast. I have been looking forward to this conversation for a very long time. Actually, Peg Curry, who is the guest today, has been the most exceptional, generous guest that I have ever had on this podcast. And I need to tell the audience why, Peg, because I have never in my entire career as a podcast host, had someone send me a thank you card, a beautiful, well-written thank you card. I wish people could see this. It's like on the back, written on the back. It was so thoughtful, so generous, and so loving. And you sent me your cookbook, which we're going to talk about today, Damn Good Gluten-Free. And I have to give you this little, little thing too. I hadn't told you this yet, but we just renovated our entire house and we have shelves on either side of our range hood for our stove and your recipe book amongst two others. There's only three of them sit there and I see it every single day looking back at me and it has been the most beautiful resource for inspiring me to create fresh, good, wholesome, nourishing food. I am so glad you're here because friends listening in, Peg is Peg, Peggy Curry. I should call your whole name. We're just saying Peg, like we've been friends for years, but that's how I feel. Right. We're going to talk today about being moms and our entrepreneurship journey. And we're going to talk about how Peggy got to write this incredible book on gluten-free lifestyle and what that means and how she, you know, created these delicious recipes. So it's kind of a a mix of conversation for you today, but I, I believe as women, we do really well when we bring all the facets of ourselves into conversation. But before I turn it over to Peggy, I wanted to read to you a portion of this beautiful, I want to call it love letter that she so generously sent when uh, we created this time together or decided to have this time together. Peggy wrote, damn good is a lifestyle recipe book infused with 30 plus years of teaching, coaching, and healing, not just my own family, but hundreds of families teaching the importance food has on our health, healing, and relationships. Inside are stories, memories, experience, and wisdom gathered over the years. Damn good is the roadmap I never got. And once we were diagnosed gluten-free intolerant, I now see how it helps and inspires people and families today and is truly my dream come true. I look forward to talking and meeting with you and sharing the many adventures I've had along my entrepreneurial path while raising four incredible daughters in our not-so-conventional way. 
So <laughs> I could not have introduced you in a more eloquent, beautiful way than you were able to introduce yourself to me. And Peggy Curry, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, goodness. Thank you. I'm so honored and grateful to be with you today. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. So before we hit record, we immediately felt that spark between us of being entrepreneurs and holding space for family and a family with four children, which it's not a better than. I never say this to compare to others. It's just a different than. And four kids is more than one or two. (laughs) It does have its complexities and there are more personalities and energies to hold and be responsible for. So I would love for you to share how you built your entrepreneurial experience alongside of raising four beautiful children. Hmm. Well, I have to first um, honor my own mom. Hmm. My mom was, to me, you know, she showed, she paved the way, really. You know, she was such a creative and she had so much fire in her and so much love and so much generosity and giving of others. And so she raised me that way. I'm the youngest of three. My siblings were five and 10 years older. So by the time I got around, they were like gone or, you know, they wanted nothing to do with the folks. Right. And so I was kind of the kid that really, you know, spent a lot of time with my father, spent a lot of time with my mom. And, um, she started me out with really teaching me what it was to be, to give back, give back to the community. And so I think learning that from her um, helped me kind of decide what I wanted to do in life, which I became a special ed school teacher and an administrator for 10 years. That was the beginning of my, I guess, career path. And then my mom, you know, at 12 was like, you know, she started, she went back to work. And she sold the she sold what she was selling so well that the woman had to give her half the company because she couldn't keep up, right, with paying her commissions. And so she built this amazing um, tennis and active sportswear company. And um, she really showed me that you know what you can have it all. You can be a mom, a wife, and you can do it. Now, there is a caveat, you know, when you're young and you're a young kid and you're like, where's my mom? I want my mom. You know what I mean? Because she's busy or she's late picking me up. You know, hindsight's amazing when you look back and you kind of create your own world and how, you know, I was a school teacher. I, um, I started having my kids and it became harder and harder by, you know, we did six, we had in six years, we had four kids and a miscarriage. And so my two were two, the first two were two years apart. I went back to teach part time on an administrative level. And I, I just said after like, you know, a few months in, I'm like, I'm done. I need to spend time with my kids. I need to raise my kids. And so I did that. But my mom at the time also started getting sick. It was when she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she was dealing with that. And then Tim and I had two more kids back to back, like 15 months apart. And after Sam was born was when my mom, it was her last year. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was going to 
take whatever time I had left with my mom. We hired a nanny where, you know, live in that um, I could spend that time with my mom. And I did. And I never regretted it. But four days a week, I basically went and, you know, had that time with my mom and learned everything. It was just really, anyway, digress. Everything that I learned from my mom of it's okay to follow your path, to follow your dreams, even when you're doing things that all the other moms in the neighborhood aren't doing, and they're not being very nice to you. And they're like, you know, why are you doing this and that? And I said, it's in me. It lives in me. I've always said I've come into this earth plane on purpose. I didn't know at the time really what that purpose was because when my kids were little and, you know, and I just had creative energy, right? So I started a t-shirt painting business that I, you know, hand painted all these baby clothes for, you know, all my friends. And, and then I even sold it to businesses, you know, in town. And little did I know that I was the beginning of my entrepreneurial ship. Fast forward a year, you know, we're building our home and I have little babies and we're, this is the second house we've built. So we kind of know what we're doing, but it's on the same block. Mm. And my mom dies. My mom passes away and um, literally in her celebration, I used to teach cooking to my kids, my special needs kids. It was like a, a gift we would do. And everyone was like, Peggy, you need to do something in honor of mom. And I'm like, okay. And Evie's Garden Organic Marinara was born. Mm-hmm. And we decided at that point not to call it um, a nonprofit, but it really all the monies went to support breast cancer patient support and um, some research. So this sauce sold nationally, like hit it. There was only two companies at the time that were doing it. It was me and Nell Newman with Newman's Own giving back, you know, on the jar. I wish I had the jar to show you. Um, But Evie's Garden Organic Marinara sold nationally for six years. I would run around (laughs) to all the markets, you know, and you do your tastings and you do that 40 stores. And all of a sudden it hit me because I had a friend that had stage four um, melanoma. And I helped her with her kids. I helped her, you know, feed her family and all this stuff. And she was a fellow uh, teacher of mine. And she goes, Peggy, you need to teach this. And what I started to realize, raising money for disease was not going to serve me or all the women in my life. I needed to teach them because that's who I am, an educator, teacher, how to Feed and nourish not only yourself and your families, but in a way that really is about true health. Mm. So here I am, and I stop selling the the organic marinara sauce. I now teach it; it's in the cookbook. But um, I I started a cooking school called Kitchen Blessings, mm. and so Kitchen Blessings is I would go into people's homes and I would help them, you know, really set themselves up for success of what true health is. And when I say true health, what I mean by that is knowing what works in your body to me is the critical key to knowing what true health is because not all bodies are the same. 
So I would go in, I would clean out their kitchen pantries. I would, you know, educate the family. I would take them on market tours. I would take them on farmer's market tours. And then I would do basic cooking with them. So all of that bundled up is the now premise of, again, chapter two in the cookbook. So here I was, I was teaching these cooking classes. At the same time, my community came to me and said, Peggy, look, you're an educator. You've been in education. We need you to help fix school food services. And I'm like, okay, that's a big nut to crack. Instead, I said to them, you can't just go into a school, take away pizza, take away all the foods the kids love. We have to educate the population in the community. Right. So I was invited to join this small group of women that was starting from a garden program called Growing Great. And we, I created the nutrition, all the curriculum, and now, 25 years later, it's a national program with companies like Del Monte. And we just got our first um, grant from the government for, you know, it's, it's pre-K through high school, teaching kids how to empower them to choose healthy eating through science-based garden and nutrition education. And it's like, you know, how your kids are your limelight. Well, growing great is like, it's out there in the world teaching hundreds of thousands of kids every year now how to make how to empower them to make healthy food choices so you can see everything's kind of like around food right so i'm teaching these two I'm, i've got these two things going at the same time and i'm also raising my children and my my number one priority with our kids has always been I wanted to feed them breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I want to wake up with them, and I want to put them to bed, mm-hmm. and I want to show up for them. And so that's always been Tim's and my philosophy. Mind you, my husband, I've been together 51 years, <laughs> married 50, 43, but we are high school sweethearts. So, And he's Catholic, and I'm Jewish. And so we raised our children of spirit which by the way is book number two that I get to start this year on raising children of spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, but the priority was yes, work and creating was huge for me. However, my family, so I have this order of three. Mm-hmm. First, you have to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, you have nothing to give. The second is you take care of your relationship with your husband or your partner or whomever you live with because kids leave. And that foundation that you have set up with your spouse is so critical and important. And then the third one is your children. So I had very clear ideas of how I wanted to, how we wanted to raise our family. And so we, we made them a priority. And food was one of them, and spending time and communication was huge. So now I have these two businesses, and my daughter, number two, who was the sickest, and she was the one. So it's Alex, Megan, Annie, and Sam. Alex is the oldest. She works at Fox. She's on TV. Megan, who was the sickest, was the one that she went to college got a degree in psychology, 
really wanted to help her girlfriends. All her girlfriends had eating disorders, but it was too hard on her heart. So she said, mom, I want to work with you. Like, okay, let's do it. You know, I haven't had a partner in a really long time. My first partner with Kitchen Blessings didn't work out. I'm like, sure, let's do it. How bad can it be? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, we started in 2012 and we are now, you know, in our going into our 11th year, 11th year. And let me tell you, it's, it, it was challenging. It was huge challenging. Anyone out there listening that works with a child or, you know, has children, you know, whatever within the family, it takes so much and it also teaches you so much. Right. So what it taught me was about letting go and resilience and I'll tell you what I mean by letting go, but this deep growth within me, talk about limiting beliefs and really looking at those things that hold us back and having Megan be able to literally excavate them out of me all these years. And literally our kids would go, mom, she's going to kill you. And I'm like, no, I know there's a purpose here somewhere in this. You know, I know there's a reason. And today I have such deep gratitude for it because what she got to me this year, well, the last six months is to be independent, not codependent, Mm -hmm. to know my worth and my value and to be able to stand on my own separate from her and come on, is that not the greatest gift we could ever possibly learn as entrepreneurs? Like. Everyone's been saying to me all these years, Peggy, you got this. You can do this. Let go of those fears. The world needs you. You have a bigger platform. You don't have to do it all with Megan. And so that's where we're at today. And, you know, really, how do we dance together under this umbrella of Curry Girls Kitchen and really move forward with grace and commitment to our mission of really, truly helping people heal their bodies and relationships through food. Beautiful. You know, you actually give such a great example of personal power. I was just talking to my mentor about this the other day where, well, we were defining what is personal power? What does that mean? And so as I thought about it and contemplated it, and I believe this to be true, is it's when we stop looking for the validation or needing to hear that validation in order to feel something about ourselves. And instead, we feel that confidence. We feel that gift of spirit. We feel connected. And so if we never were to receive another compliment or form of validation again, it would be okay because we don't need that anymore to feel in our full presence. So. I felt that with you. I felt like that you crossed that threshold into personal power where it still feels wonderful to receive compliments and for someone to see us for who we are and what we offer. It doesn't take away from that. It's just, we no longer require that in our lives in order to have that feeling solidified in our body and in our being and and mind and spirit. So thank you for that. And I actually have coached quite a few mother daughters in business together. I don't, I seem to, 
uh, have a lot of magnetism towards that and likely because I am a mom. Um, but I, I definitely know the complexities of that relationship, especially while you're in business. But I believe in what I've witnessed. It is the greatest teacher for both the daughter and the mom. And it is a superpower of presence when those your daughter and you come together and are in this together, despite some hiccups and some bumps and some rubbing, you know, that friction that can happen. It is truly undeniable what can be created with two powerful women in that type of relationship. So congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Taking a lot of work. Two coaches. I have a personal coach and a bus- we have our business coach which again, you've said, you know, invest in yourself. And we did, we've invested a lot. And to get to this place today, you know, Megan says, Oh mom, this is answered prayers. And I'm like, yeah, I think I I believe so too, for me as well. Yeah. God, God gives us these experiences in order to grow. And that is our one of our greatest gifts on this planet is to grow. Yeah. Not to stay stagnant mm-hmm. and stuck. I feel like we come into this world and we become this sponge just soaked in what's possible, possibility. And our job is to wring out every last drop possible yeah. within that sponge. And I, I feel like so many people wait wait for the sign, wait for the clue, wait for the cue. And they're happening all the time, but I think they're expecting it to come in a certain form or way. And they're looking so narrow that they, they miss so many opportunities. And what I love about your story, I want to kind of circle back to a few things. What I love about your story is I feel like you have this ability to really hear and listen to yourself and to discern. The word discernment came up quite a bit while you were talking. You have this practice of discernment of going, I love teaching and I also love this and I don't have to choose between the two. I can actually bring them together and create something special that nobody else maybe has done before. And to me, that's the power of entrepreneurship. It's not duplicating what has already been done. It's instead being inspired by what you're seeing, sitting with it and recreating it in a way that will always be unique and special to you. So I loved that. And I also wanted to kind of circle back to when you had mentioned that you were being what I would refer to as judged or ridiculed by other moms and women while growing the business. And the reason I want to circle back to that is because I believe a lot of women hold that as a fear of the potential. If I do this, if I'm working full time and I start a business and I've got my kids, what will people think? Or if I do this, will I sacrifice my family in order to build my dream. I think as women, we often believe that we have to sacrifice something in order to generate or gain more. I want to eradicate that. I yes. really genuinely do. Like, And you don't believe it until you live it, right? Like you're not going to believe it until you live it. So maybe you could explain to us a little bit about that. Cause that's a fragile time when people are questioning you as a mom, that that's not a good feeling. No. And you know what I saw growing up because um, my parents had difficulty in their relationship. They chose to stay together. 
um, they had difficulty. So my belief was if I become famous, if I become successful, if I do well in what I'm doing, it will mess up my marriage. It will screw up my family. Now, let me tell you, I've worked long and hard on that belief. And unfortunately, we did. Tim and I did have a hiccup. And it was because, oh, you're so busy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, can I swear? <laughs> can I swear? And people you can like, swear, yes. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, I'm so busy. I'm like, I, I put three meals on the table. I take care of our kids. I'm doing what brings me joy and fills my cup up. And to all the women out there that would be mean to me or like do really nasty things on our little block and shut me out instead of bringing me in was so hurtful and painful. And I had to realize it until finally, you know, because you have your childhood little things that come with you too and those beliefs. And finally, I realized, you know what? I have women in my life that love me, that support me, that lift me up. Women out there listening, you go to those women. Fuck all those other women because they're not your friends. They're not your, they're not your champions. They're not supporting you. But how can we as women moving forward as entrepreneurs, as as women in power and the ability to be catalysts for change. How can we do this? Well, one of the ways is you teach and model it to your daughters. Mm -hmm. You teach it and model it with your, with your husbands or partners. You have conversations. You don't bottle it up. You don't feel alone in this. You talk about it and you do invest in mentorship and coaching because that is what's going to get you over this hurdle. A couple things come up for me that I haven't thought about in a really long time. So this is a really beautiful conversation. Thank you for, for holding the space for me to even think about my own journey. I, I have had a divorce and um, not something I wish upon anybody. It's just not the outcome any of us want. And it was inevitable and it was a part of my journey. But I look back on that first marriage and the one of the best compliments I ever received was from him. So I always have to give him love and appreciation for the certain things that he did add to my life. Cause although it didn't end the way we anticipated, there were blessings. And I remember him saying in front of my children, and I think that's what made it so special is he said, I never, and he said, and I mean the word never hear you say a bad word about anybody. And I don't think I've ever really thought of it. I never, that wasn't something I did on purpose. I just have always been someone who wants to search for the gold. And I remember my daughter's face. I remember when he said that, I remember the feeling of pride. And the, I say this story because I want to reiterate what you just said about teaching our children, teaching our daughters differently. When you're an entrepreneur, most of us as our, as our entrepreneur experience work from home. Our kids are constantly hearing our conversations, what we're talking about. It is the, one of the greatest gifts of entrepreneurship because what are they listening to? How to overcome, how to grow, how to think and look at things differently. I mean, they, this gift they get to be in terms of the environment we create is so special. And so I, I really grateful you nudged women today 
to pay attention to the way they are speaking about other women. And the second thing that came up for me was this really interesting perspective. I'd love to hear your take on this is we, we somehow it's ingrained in us and where that comes from. I guess I have some idea, but we probably don't need to go there, but we we're looking to please and have all these women love us and adore us and agree with us and be our friends. I think that's what we think we want. But if you actually look at that, we wouldn't have time and space to hold all of those relationships and all of those friendships. We really wouldn't. So what ultimately are we looking for here? Because of course, there's going to be some people who don't agree, who don't even like us for whatever that reason is and to each their own. But as long as we know our integrity and kind, right? So yeah. I think some, it's a kind of a fun way of looking at it. I just had this realization rather than I need to gather all these women every time I meet them to like me and, and be with me. It's instead that discernment that I feel like you show through your journey of, is this person a great fit for an investment of time and love and energy? Or is this someone I get to pass by and like wink at and be appreciative for, for whatever it is, lesson or just a great conversation and, and continue on? What do you think? Okay. So again, go back to my teaching, raising four kids, that kindergarten classroom, Mm. it starts there. It starts with the kids on the block. It starts with, so we, the reason why raising children of spirit is so, I'm so passionate about it is because who are the people that are going to actually teach their kids the values that you hold so deeply inside you? Mm -hmm. So from a young age, we did family meetings. They they went to you know um, Hebrew school for two years, and then they decided, no, mom, we want you to homeschool religion. So we did their whole life. Every Sunday, we had, and I did topics on these very things. What does it mean when some you know person comes up to you and they're just mean spirited, and it hurts you? Do you have the courage to say that's not nice? You're hurting my feelings. I would never speak like that to you. I want to feel included. Can we all play together? This is the language that we need to start teaching, not just kids, but adults. Mm -hmm. How many adults feel left out, not included, no collaboration? I mean, that was part of Megan's and my challenge was that, why doesn't she want to play with me in the kitchen and everyone else, all the other kids do, and she's my partner. So you know what I mean? It It's these beliefs that we bring along on the journey that we have to really look at. Get yourself that person that's willing to work with you on these beliefs that you notice that can come up all throughout your life. And one of them is, and it's learned either within the family, okay, because we talked about my greatest gift that I told my kids that all of them could give me is that they're all best friends. That they love each other, that they support each other, because I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have it in my friend group. I was always the third wheel. I didn't have it with my own siblings. They didn't want to be with me. They were older. So I carried that through this third wheel, no one really wants to be with me kind of a belief. But what if we change that and we shift that? So the aha to me was when I was going through some really dark time with a neighbor who really was really mean-spirited, shut me out. I said, wait a minute. I have all these friends that love and adore me. Why am I putting all my energy into this that doesn't matter? Right. 
And yet it was like I had to realize it so deep within me and go back to these stories that I would, you know, these beliefs that I had and I got rid of them. And in that moment, I was like, wow, I am so loved. And those are the people that love me that I want to spend my time and energy with. Mm -hmm. And that was the greatest gift to myself, was that opportunity. And in the book, I don't know if you read, but I had all my family, the kids, the four girls and the daughter, they wrote the foreword. And my kids today tell me, mom, thank you for doing what you did because it showed me how to be in my life. And all four of them are creative, functioning, valued, valuable people with great jobs. Because of what we do, remember that. Because of what we show them and model for them. You just add such incredible depth through your story. And a lot of really beautiful call to action. So I just wrote it down and I I would love to pause for a second. Everybody listening, I'm going to challenge you with something that Peggy just taught us, whether you caught on or or maybe it it happened to, to not stick out for you is Peggy taught, let's call it Sunday school, but it wasn't Sunday school, but let's call it Sunday school. Yeah. Spirit school or spirit, spirit classes. Is that what you called it? I don't want to mess it up because I really love it. It's raising children of spirit. So yes, that's what those were. They were raising, we were raising our children of spirit. Tim, we shared with the Catholic, you know, cause he would go to church every Sunday and then he'd come home and we would, you know, what did dad learn today? Okay. This is the lesson for today, whether it's communication, whatever. So it's years of that that is going to be in this book. And we'd spend 30 minutes and we, I taught him how to meditate and pray and, and be able to communicate. And that family table, which again, I talk about a lot in the, in the book, is to me the foundation of our teaching experience. It's where we get to come together and really communicate, which is the highest form of love, right? It is. I just have to thank you, though, because it's not been a practice in our home for similar reasons, but we have not handled it the way you and Tim did, is my husband's Catholic. And I don't consider myself of religion. I um, I believe in God. I have a deep faith, but I don't um, necessarily associate with a specific religion. And this was, it's interesting because in relationship, a lot of people fight over money or they fight over family or they, you know, they, us, the, the, the biggest hurdle we had to overcome was in fact our background in terms of religion and faith, because I was so committed to how I viewed things and he was so committed to how he viewed things that instead of bringing it together, we were in this comparison and in sometimes friction of needing to be right. I'm just owning that story. But what I love, I mean, this is, oh, it makes me cry. (laughs) What I love about this is he's been craving to go back to Catholic church. And I really don't, I, it's really just not a place for me. And this is a beautiful way of honoring him and what fills him and him coming home and being able to teach the children, but teach it in our way through dialogue, discussion, and connectedness. So Peggy, thank you, because I feel like this entire podcast, i be selfish for a little bit here, <laughs> listeners, but I feel like this entire conversation was to lead me to this huge moment for myself because it's been a bit of a gap in our home because we're not sure how to do it. 
Um, so thank you. Thank you for giving us that. And maybe there's somebody else out there who's going to run with this too. And Sunday, Sunday dinner is going to have a beautiful conversation and dialogue now attached and teaching. So I, I have to say thank you. Thank you very much. So let's get to this cookbook because I feel like we could talk about parenting and business. That is, yes, I have it too. Look at us. (laughs) (laughs) We're shaking the book around. It is, first of all, beautiful. I love the picture of your pantry. I love pantry pictures. It is, to me, I think I like tidiness and I like simplicity and minimal things. So when I saw your pantry, I was like, that's my kind of girl. Um, I have to say from my own experience that every single recipe in this book is something I would make, try, eat, which is not, is a rare thing, Peggy. I don't, I'm sure you know this, but in cookbooks, it's rare that every recipe speaks to you. Mm -hmm. But I think this was intentional. Am I correct? Was it intentional that every recipe would be something someone could create? Yes. Well, and what I wanted, I wanted people to understand the stigma around, oh, I'm gluten-free, you know, and they have this kind of like energy around it. And I'm like, well, first of all, it saved my life. And I'm so grateful because it's what I prayed for. God, I don't need the cancer that my parents have. Give me something to teach. And And then when we were all diagnosed, it was like, and within weeks, everyone's symptom, everyone, we all had different ones gone. And so therefore it was like, holy moly. And so for 12 years, I I tried writing this book, but with kids and businesses and everything, there was always a different priority until finally I hunkered down two years ago. And then there still was the challenges of self-publishing when I realized working with, you know, literary agents and they're telling me, stop writing this book, write children of spirit. That book is the one. And I'm like, no, that book has to be done first. There is an order. I know this. And so there's that book that it destigmatizes what gluten-free really is because really all it is is a whole close to the source minimally processed you know eating that is true health but the other thing it is is that every one of those recipes are all customizable there's 140 of them i wanted everyone to be able to sit down to one dinner and you could be vegetarian, plant-based, paleo, gluten-free, dairy-free, whatever. And there's variations in the book so that you can actually do that. So it honors the person, their taste buds, their condition, and to be able to then cook one meal. Mm-hmm. But they're normal. Meatloaf, tuna nuna casserole, taco pie. They're all the things, burgers. They're things that you know and love and you think, oh, can I have that? I'm like, Oh, yes, you can. You can have it all and you can have it your way, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's amazing. And that's why it's helping so many people today. You know, it's just well, really, you know. I'll tell you something. I'm going to reflect something back to you. You wanted to 
live a life where you could have it all. You didn't want to sacrifice anything in order to acquire something new. And I think that's exactly what you've ended up creating within this cookbook is you don't have to sacrifice the things you love, like burgers, pizza, pasta, to be gluten-free, or at least to maybe minimize how much gluten you're ingesting if you're not someone who wants to be fully gluten-free. And I appreciated that because that's the resistance that's the resistance of people. Well, they, they intuitively, I think, and all of us intuitively know when we're eating something and it's not serving us. I, I feel right. like, we're, well, I hope we're that. I, I, at least I can, I'll speak for myself. I feel that. I know when I'm having, you know, especially takeout pizza that has got no nutrients in it, although the cheesy goodness is good. I know when I eat that, I'm not going to feel good on the other side. But it's tapping in and realizing, and what you've done here is saying, you don't have to give up that pizza, Jen in order to have delicious homemade pizza that fills that craving. And also if you want to have that pizza from time to time, if that's something that really brings you joy and you don't mind the after effects, go for it. Yeah. I just love that about you as you're teaching how to have it all, even in our cooking. Mm. Yeah. And include your kids. Yeah. Bring them in because that's the one thing too, is that all my kids cook. They all love food. They all love to cook, you know, and it's like, you want to pass that on too. How many women say, well, I didn't get the cooking gene. You know, I, I don't know how to cook. And I'm like, let's get on it right now. Let's do it. There's no too late. I don't care if you're, you know, newly married or you're 65 or 85, you can learn to cook and enjoy the food and give yourself those nutrients that are so benefiting. So, and have it delicious. Yeah. And you know what? That's to me, the make life delicious part. Make life delicious. Oh, I like that line. I like that line. Um, It's interesting. There's a lot of accountability in this conversation and I'm picking up on it. And the accountability too, I like it. The accountability too is something I believe most moms right now, at least I'm wrestling with this technology with our kids. I wasn't raised with technology because we didn't have access to technology. And my, even my older two, they were just talking about this the other day. Like my, my oldest is 19 and my youngest is eight. And my 19 year old was like, mom. We bought our own iPads when we were in grade nine for like $200. And now they're well over a thousand and they have them when they're like three years old. And that balance and where to draw the line and the boundaries is like a daily headache. I don't know what is right. I don't know what the balance is. So what I love about this book as well and why I've placed it at the center of my kitchen is for personal accountability to put on music, light some candles, shut off the technology, and start with just once a week. It yeah. doesn't have to be every night, right. right? And the benefit is far-reaching because you're putting, remember this, this is like a huge piece, everyone that's listening. You're putting your energy into your family's and yourself, food. We're all energy beings. I would pray. I said, please, God, you know, take this energy that I'm imparting into my family's meals and give them the love through the food. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, because people would say, it's like, why do your kids like you so much? Why do they want to come back? Why do they want to play with you? And I'm like, that table, yeah, that family table, that food, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And that energy, you, you, you're showing them you love them. You had your kids for a purpose, people. You had them for a reason. Make them a priority. They're only there in a short window and then they're gone. And when they're gone, they're going to make a decision. Do I like my parents? Do I want to spend time with them? What's their energy like? Well, guess what? You got to show them what good energy is. So they want to come back. Yeah. Mm. That's a call to action. Yeah, that's a huge call to action. And I just want to touch on the whole um, technology thing. Yeah, please. My kids are now 29 to 35. And I didn't give them technology till they were 16. (laughs) I was like, foot down. But it was like, you know, it was pagers then. Yes. They didn't really have the cell phones yet. 16, when they were in the car, that's when they got their, their first phone. And, you know, first pagers and then a phone. But but it, to me is, what is the intention behind it? What is the intention behind the iPad? Is it so that you can do your work and they are diverted in their attention so they will leave you alone? Or is it that you actually, I have to tell you, there is, my my coach wrote a cookbook. It's called Take Two. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Peyton Hughes. I love the premise. I don't agree with all of it, but the premise of taking time for yourself to understand, okay, I need this time for myself. I need time to make sure that I'm going to make the meal. I'm going to make time that I have my work that I want to do. And then I've got to really make time for those kids. Where is that time that I'm going to make them the priority and put them in? Am I going to just turn on the TV? Am I going to turn on the iPod? Am I? No, you have to be conscious about that intention because they know, oh, mom's busy. I, I Instead of mom, I've got the computer yeah. or yeah. mom's phone. Yeah. And so that you have to be so clear with. And also kids can be bored. Kids aren't bored anymore. That's where creative juices start. You put the artwork out. You have cabinets of games and things that they can play with far beyond that computer. And you make sure your house is set up for that playtime and that boredom creative time, because how else are they going to get it? You know, I'm sorry, but that no, was, Peggy, like, I, I, well, <laughs> I feel like this is all about me, friends listening in. To- <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. But Peggy came here today to speak to Jen. <laughs> Because I would be amiss and it would not be integral of me to sit here and have this conversation and pretend that I haven't done that and pretend that I don't often lean on technology because, well, at least they're busy and they're not going to complain mom's working. Now, I can't say that's the norm. That's not the everyday. That's not what we always do, but I have. And I I believe that that change happens and awareness happens and families deepening and our relationships get better when we own our part. And I have to own that. And I appreciate that accountability because when we don't have this kind of feedback, when we're not sort of made aware of the habits and loops and patterns we've created in our home, then how can we constantly become better? We're just sifting through our days. It's like one day turns into the next, like that movie Groundhog Day. I mean, that is literally what some people are stuck in. 
And Mm -hmm. I have to talk about this because we're kind of shifting quickly here, but it's going to all make sense. You're somewhere right now for yourself. And this is how I, yes, tell me where, where are you? What's happening? Okay. So, um, we, we live part-time. Well, I live part-time in Colorado and part-time in LA. And once those kids left the nest, um, I hadn't been alone in 40 years and my mom left me a chunk of change. And I always said to Tim, I said, that money is for me to invest in a little cabin in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I literally went to write my book and instead I bought a cabin and that was 13 years ago. And it was like crazy. And those times, no one believed that I could actually do it. And I caveat it because I had severe panic disorder and agoraphobia from the time I was 18 to 28. And it was by changing my diet that all those symptoms went away. I still had work to do because it wasn't until then 20 years ago that we became gluten free after being diagnosed was that, uh, with gluten intolerance is that it all like for 40 years, not what I haven't had any problem. And so, but what I did was the gift to myself was get this cabin. It had been rented for two years because the kids were still in school. And I finally show up by myself, no furniture. I have to furnish it, everything. And I'm, I'm alone for the first time in 40 years. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I bake cookies the stories in the book, they're called hippie cookies. Anyway, those times over the course of these, these last 10 years, when Tim will come and go, and I have chunks of two weeks or three weeks, those are the most powerful, empowering, learning self-growth spurts that you can't even imagine. And I have to say as moms, do it for yourself. Even if it's a three day long weekend, you got to do it. So I moved back from Colorado in October. My husband is having um, some challenges and my nervous system was really off Mm -hmm. and I needed to recalibrate my nervous system. And so I said, honey, I'm going to go rent a place where I think I want to move to eventually. And so God literally exact location where I want to be this little studio and has this incredible, you know, green space and yard hikes to like craziness. And it's everything that I wish for. And so I'm here for the month. I'll probably do it another month in May, in March, because my baby's getting married in April. This all just happened. And so, but it comes back to you this month of January to plan, to not hurry it up, to really come to yourself and, and really do that deep work of introspection. And I have a very robust morning practice and it's, you know, prayer, meditation, crystal work, tapping, meditating, you know, the whole thing takes me about an hour. And I'm like, the freedom, the spaciousness, the aliveness, the connection that you get to do with yourself, people, there is nothing like it. And I encourage you at the age of 66, it took me a long time, but over time, you realize we must as moms, as mompreneurs, you've got to go it alone and get quiet. Absolutely. And that, by the way, those five things on the January 2nd one, when you said spend time alone, I'm like, yes, (laughs) invest in yourself, 
yes. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You know what time alone, I was just talking to my, one of my dear friends about this this morning because she hasn't spent time alone and she's depleted. She's feeling disconnected in her marriage. She's finding her kids just, um, they're, they're nuisances. She's not enjoying them. She's exhausted. She's not working out. I mean, all the symptoms of someone who is burnt at both ends, like literally burnt out. And um, I said to her, I said, you know, one of the things my breath coach challenges me with, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this because I'm far from it. It, it will be something I, I definitely work towards is she challenged me to at least once a month going away, getting myself a hotel room and spending the night alone. I did it a few months in a row and guilt. So those listening in who are saying, yeah, but Peggy's kids have grown. That's why she's able to do that. I know what they say to themselves. I'm, I can be in their heads when they're listening to this podcast okay, sure, we can create another excuse while that's good for Peggy and not for us and and live in that. Or we can finally say that I am a better human, mother, wife, daughter, all the things when I have looked after myself. And it's not a luxury. This is a necessity for my well-being and for the growth of my business and the deepening of my relationships and the, the energy I can provide my family. And so I, I want to hold us accountable to that, Peggy. Thank you for being the example. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this big, grandiose thing. Book yourself no. in a, a, a Robin. Airbnb. Yes. Just go into an Airbnb or go, go a mile away from your house and go put yourself in a little hotel room and just be with yourself. But I have to say, every single thing that you're saying is... Hayden has done the research in that book, that two hour, it's just called take two, put it in the notes, whatever you have to do, because you will love this book. If you have it yourself, read it. Yes. She's a CEO of two companies, has two small children and for two years has done this. And it's mind blowing to me because yes. I'm like those moms going, how the fuck can you take two hours all yeah. by yourself? Well, she was on the podcast. She was on my podcast and I told her, I said, you really trigger me because we've known, I've known Peyton for a while. She was actually in the yes. as well. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. I know, and she still does. I still watch it and go, nice for you, Peyton. And it's not that <laughs> I don't want it different for her. I'm like genuinely happy she's doing that for herself. But that, that tone is coming from a place where I don't, for some reason, I don't feel like I have the time. I'm like, it's different for me. Like all the excuses and narratives we buy into. And it's just, she just did it. That's the difference. She yeah. chose to do it. Well, and for me, it's like, I look at it. You can take an hour for yourself. And then cook a meal for your family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can still have those times. It doesn't have to look the way Peyton did it. It doesn't have to be two hours. It can be an hour, hour 15. But that's my quiet time in the morning. Whatever it is for you to settle yourself so that you can be the best version of yourself mm-hmm. and not burn yourself out. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Make it your own. Okay. So here's the conclusions because I literally feel like we can go for another hour. I've heard from you so much wisdom. It's one of those podcasts to review friends. I think a second, third time round of listening to this conversation is going to be really important because there was a lot packed into this, this time together that you trusted yourself over and over again. You 
made big, bold moves and pivots. I mean, you had this national marinara sauce that was doing incredibly well, but realized that wasn't your calling and made a pivot and a shift where many people would live in yesterday's successes and the comfort of what was, but you continually adjust and mold and grow. So trust in ourselves and our journey. I learned from you how to put family at the forefront and that these these ideas that we're somehow giving up something in order to gain over here. We don't have to feel that way anymore. It's intention. It's curating the time and these special memories through using damn good gluten-free cookbook or whatever it may be. I've learned through you how to mold together different ideas for the example of your husband and yourself, you know, having these two different upbringings, but rather than those be things that conflict with one another, you brought it together and created your own. And I'm so grateful for that lesson. And I'm really genuinely over the top grateful for your spirit because Mm. spirited women make really big imprints in this world. And I feel Peggy, and I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of vision and, and and intuition for you. You're just scratching the surface of what is possible for you. You've just warmed up. Like these were your warmups. <laughs> I just want to help people. I want to help people heal. You know, there's so many people suffering and I'm so grateful that you share your 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 wisdom back at me you know what I mean it's like this is how we get to to dance together Mm. and I get to dance with you in your kitchen and I get to dance with you here on the podcast and who knows where else we're going to get to dance together but it's pretty awesome and I'm really so grateful for this opportunity me too me too thank Mm. you for seeing me Mm -hmm. because I see you and I love you and I love what you're doing too thank you Thank you so much. Where can the world of becoming iconic come and just be in your warm, generous energy? Our website is called currygirlskitchen.com. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Curry Girls Kitchen. We have Facebook, Curry Girls Kitchen. We have Pinterest. We have YouTube, a million, you know, recipe fun videos and all kinds of stuff. We have um, the podcast, Make Life Delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on hold, but there's a whole year's worth and it's quite fun. And, you know, Megan and I had a good time. And then the cookbook, Damn Good Gluten-Free, the cookbook. Um, It's available. My first choice is that you order it through your um, uh, local bookstore, independent bookstore, and um, or Amazon. It's on Kindle. Beautiful. Beautiful. Get it. Get it, friends. I have to tell you, it is beautiful. It is simplistic in terms of not overwhelming and thinking it's going to take you a week to start preparing. It's something you can do on a Tuesday evening after school. Peggy, your essence just flows through the whole thing. I can't advocate for it enough and who you are and what you're teaching. So please go follow Peggy, be with her, learn from her and be inspired through her because this podcast, whether you realize it now or not, will be something that ripples and lingers with you for a lifetime. So thank you again, Peggy, for being here. I appreciate you immensely. And me too with you. Thank you, Jen. So grateful. Thank you so much for being here. Your time and presence means the world to me. If you would be so kind to leave a five-star review so more people can learn about becoming iconic, that would be such an act of generosity. And please go download and read the newest version of the Becoming Iconic magazine available at becomingiconic.co.co. Now let's go make it a great day.